This podcast is brought to you by Estee Lauder Company's UK and Ireland's breast cancer campaign. The campaign helped to make the opening of Future Dreams House possible and continues to raise millions to help end breast cancer. The house offers practical and emotional support to those diagnosed with the disease. Hello, welcome to And Then Came Breast Cancer. I'm Victoria Derbyshire, and I was diagnosed with breast cancer aged 46. In this episode of the podcast brought to you by the Future Dreams Breast Cancer Charity, we're doing something slightly different. We're bringing you an interview with Labour MP Dawn Butler, who has recently been diagnosed with breast cancer herself. It was picked up in a routine mammogram, and she had to think really hard about speaking publicly about her diagnosis. But she has. I am in the house of a friend of Labour MP Dawn Butler. And the reason that I'm here is to talk to Dawn about her experience of the last few months. And the first time I was aware that anything might be unusual was when I got a WhatsApp from Dawn on the 27th of December, just after Christmas. And it said, morning, Victoria. I hope you had a great Christmas. Dawn. And I thought, well, Okay, that's very nice. Also quite unusual, because I don't really know Dawn Butler. I've interviewed her a couple of times. So I reply, hi Dawn, and the same to you. Thank you. How was your Christmas? Hope it was lovely, and I really hope 2022 is an amazing year for absolutely everyone. Dawn replies, it's going to be a challenging year for sure. And it wasn't long after that that we had a conversation on the phone. And can you remember what you told me, Dawn? Um... Gosh, December seems like such a long time ago, Does doesn't it? it? And it was the 27th. Wow, OK. Um, I remember... Uh, I remember telling you that I had breast cancer, that I'd been diagnosed with breast cancer. And um, because you were public with your breast cancer, and I remember... Um, commenting and liking some of your posts and um, and I thought because you'd been through it and in the public domain that yeah I, I wanted to kind of have a chat with you about it and well, I remember you being I mean I would descri- describe you as being very calm but perhaps in a bit of shock is that fair yeah, it's a it's a thing because um, you know my mum had breast cancer and my sister had breast cancer, and so I suppose every time I went for a mammogram, there was a more heightened kind of oh my god, have I got breast cancer now? You know, so. And there's this before breast cancer where you think you've got breast cancer and you're not being neurotic, do you know what I mean? You just think you've got breast cancer or you think you've got cancer, you think something's wrong. And then there's the, okay, your worst fears in a way, mm. you've got it. And then there's how you deal with it. I suppose I've learned a lot about myself to how I deal with... Uh, trauma like I am that person that 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 deals with things you know that is that is who I am mm. 
it's you know it's not fake mm-hmm. <laughs> I, do, I deal with problems and issues generally in a systematic way I suppose how did you learn that you had breast cancer um it was quite chaotic um so remember we've got covid the nhs is struggling you know the doctors and nurses are trying to trying to operate and they they, they're still trying to operate when actually everything's against them they're trying to stop them operating like i even heard somebody you know in the breast cancer unit in bart saying to that effect you know they're not going to stop us from helping our women sort of thing you know helping our patients they're not going to stop us they being who i don't well i i i took that to mean i mean not me as a politician they didn't know i was a politician but i took that to mean the politicians right like they're not going to stop us you know, we're going to keep going. There was like this determination that they're going to keep going. They're going to keep seeing people and they're, they're going to keep informing people. But it meant that everything was chaotic. So whereas, you know, you would get a letter or whatever, I was just getting random phone calls in a way where... Inviting you for what, a mammogram? or Well, inviting me for um, a biopsy. Right. So you'd had a mammogram. I had a mammogram. And then the next phone call I had was, Dawn, can you come in for a biopsy? And I was like, a biopsy? That means you found something. And then the person on the end of the phone was, oh, has nobody contacted you? And I was like, no, nobody's contacted me. So I thought, shit, I've got to have a biopsy. That means they found something. And, um, And that was... Seven days. I had to wait seven days for that biopsy. They were long seven days. What were you thinking? Just every day I thought everything's going to be different. Uh, You know, I'm going to think about everything differently Mm. because I could have cancer. And after the biopsy, how were you told the news? Well, I mean, the biopsy, you've had a biopsy as well, right? That is a that that is a procedure in itself, isn't it? I mean, it's you hear about biopsy, you don't actually know what it is, but it's a long needle that goes into the breast, and they have to find the cells, and you have to keep really, really still. But we should say to reassure people, it they do anaesthetise the the area. Yeah, and you're not supposed to look either. No, did you look? I had a little look. Oh my goodness! Why would you look at a needle? I don't know, and I don't, and I don't actually like taking my blood or anything like that. Right. Because, so I don't. But it was because I thought, what's that long thing? <laughs> I just I could, and I thought that's a lot longer than like, you mm. know, the the area to go into yeah. the breast. I thought, what the hell is that? Three amazing nurses, though. I mean, they're running backwards and forwards, making sure they got the right spot. But yeah, it didn't. It wasn't painful. But yeah, don't look. Mm. I would definitely, uh, definitely take that advice and give that advice to people. But um, <laughs> but yeah, so um, so I had the biopsy, and then it, it was ten days to get the results of the biopsy. Um, 
And I decided, because the seven days were so painful, that for those 10 days, I was not going to think about it at all. Did you manage that? Uh, in the main, yeah. How? Uh, I worked and worked. and I mean, I churned out a lot of work. Mm. I mean, you know, you can work 24-7 as a politician and people still say you're doing nothing. So um, there's a lot. But I mean, I just threw myself into work. Um, to keep and, your mind yeah. active and yeah. to distract you from what else might have been going on. Yeah. yeah. And I might have had a wine, Victoria. <laughs> I hope you had more than one. I hope you had more than one wine. Because I do know you like rosé. But that's good to hear that you, you know, you had a drink. Because sometimes only a drink, a glass of rosé will do. Do you know what I mean? Honestly, you you have to find your coping mechanisms. Um, And, yeah, because it was... But, but... It kind of occupied my mind, but I was still counting down the days. So on the 10th day, I was like, okay, my results are coming today. Not taking into consideration that the 10 days didn't include the weekends. Ah, so it was even longer. So it was even longer. Mm. And I was like, shit, I'm not getting it today, am I? These results are not coming today. I need to... I need two more days because of the weekend. And um, and what had happened was I was at an event and the phone rang and the, the, the hospital numbers are all private numbers and withheld, which is a nightmare because I don't pick up private numbers on my phone because you don't know who's at the end of that. Mm-hmm. So having to pick up, you know, private calls is a nightmare. And I had... Um, I had a call at this event um, telling me I need to come in to the hospital the next day because my surgeon was going to be away. Wow. And I I said, so I've got a surgeon. So it's cancer. So I'm I'm almost like having to diagnose myself, filling in the gaps. Mm. And uh, I don't know how I got through that event. I got through it. Um, so the, it, essentially it was a phone call that was telling you you had cancer, but without telling you you had cancer. Yeah. You just worked it out. Yeah. And that was a bit of a, you know. But you carried on at the event. I carried on. Right. And what was it? What was? It was, um, it was an event. I can't even remember. It was an event. It was a a round table type discussion event where um yeah I needed to be on my game kind of mm. thing I think I managed it just how I'm not quite sure I think towards the end I trailed off <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think somebody dear. asked me um somebody oh well, that's right somebody asked me about my time as a minister in government. And I was Remind, thinking, remind people about yeah, what job you did. So I, I was a minister for young citizens and youth engagement. And I think that was in 2000 and... 
seven, I think, and somebody had asked me about it and my brain could not go back that far. Mm. It could only go back like literally 10 days. So it could not go back further than that. And I was, and I was just struggling to, to, to get anything out. Um, and yeah, I, I struggled, I think, towards the end. Which yeah. is fair enough, yeah. to be honest, isn't yeah. it? And so when you went to see the surgeon the next day, can you tell us a little bit about that conversation? Um, so because of COVID, you're... So, and it was really quick. Mm. So, so, you know, I'm grateful because it was, it was quick. I mean, it was, it's been a long time since December the 27th when I texted yeah. you and find I think that was probably in January. But... Um, but because things are happening so quickly, you know, almost normal rules don't apply. I didn't tell anybody. I told two people, um, my sister-in-law and my other half. And I didn't. And because of COVID, you're not supposed to bring anybody with you to any appointments. And so I turned up to the hospital um, by myself. And so the nurse came out and uh, looked at me and then sort of looked around me and said, uh, are you here by yourself? And I said, yes. Actually, I thought, because the, because the appointment was booked the next day, I thought I had 24 hours to live or something. Did you? Yeah, because it was so quick. Mm. Um, and because I'd worked out that I had cancer and I had a surgeon. So she said... Um, are you here by yourself? And I said, yes. And then um, she said, is there anyone waiting for you downstairs? And I said, no. So then she goes back in and she says to the surgeon, and it's in earshot, I could listen, I could hear. So she's by herself. <laughs> so she's like, and so, um, and then when I got into the room, she said, um, she's almost said sort of like, don't forget she's by herself. So mm. I thought, oh my God, so I like took the tissues out of my bag and I'm thinking this is going to be emotional. Um, and it I mean, it was just, it, the NHS was in chaos, you know, and I think there'd just been another announcement about booster jabs or something without telling any of the doctors and nurses. So people were running around like headless chickens and... I'm sitting there waiting for my cancer diagnosis. And you're just thinking, God, you don't actually understand how these cards fall, you know? And um, so she just described my cancer. Uh, but what words did, did she use to say you have breast cancer? She said I had, um, God, I can't remember the exact words, but there was something like, you've got... DCSI, high grade, but early stages. DCIS. D DCIS. Yeah, yeah. So, so she said, um, yeah, you've got DCIS, high grade, but early stages. So DCIS stands for Ductal Carcinoma In Situ. Yeah. And then she said, and then, you know, she was very, I mean... The thing is, I suppose, I liked her because she was n no nonsense, no messing, very sort of self-assured, you know, this is what we do. Um, what we do is we cut it out. Um, 
Yeah. And but how did you react? I was in shock. So I think there wasn't a reaction. There wasn't an immediate reaction. Because sort of in my brain, it's like, okay, so I haven't got 24 hours to live. Because, you know, I'd built myself up to that in a way, to, to, to the whole sort of preamble of going in. So, so, you, so you'd thought you were going to die? Yeah. Essentially? Yeah. So I thought, okay, so I'm not dying. Um, all right, so now I've got to deal with this new bit of information. And, yes, I think initially there wasn't a reaction from me, which I think probably surprised the surgeon. She was looking at me, wondering if she'd explained it to me properly. But it was just, it's a lot to take in. It really is, especially when they say DCIS. I mean, I'm just looking it up. It means that some cells in the lining of the ducts of the breast tissue have started to turn into cancer cells, Yeah, essentially, which is why you wouldn't have seen anything or noticed anything That's because right. it was in the, in the, in the breast tissue, That's which right. is why the mammogram picked it up. That's right. That's why it's so important because we're so used to Because I, I know that, like, um, you noticed a change in, I your, did, in, yeah. your, in your breast. Mm. I didn't notice any change in my breasts. Because there was not. There wasn't any. Outwardly. Yeah, there was nothing. There was no changes. And it was contained. That was the other thing. Yeah, she said it was contained in one area and hopefully it will stay contained so it doesn't spread. But, but yeah, that's why mammograms are so important. Because not all breast cancers are lumps or will present a change in how your breast looks or feels. Mm. So... You're digesting the fact that, yes, you do have breast cancer. Until my breast cancer nurse came in the room, Mm. actually, when she came in the room, then I started crying. Did you? Yeah. And did did you hug her or did she hug you? COVID. Oh, my God. (laughs) COVID. COVID, honestly, having cancer in COVID is something else because mm. it's like you know normal rules don't apply yeah so she was she was like i'm so sorry yeah wow so you leave and you leave thinking what um well, i didn't leave for a while because then they were asking me questions about my sister's cancer and then i didn't have all that information and then i went to phone my sister and then I realised I didn't tell my sister that I was going through this so I couldn't just call her out of the bloom and just say blah 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 Mm. and so it was a lot for me to take in so then I had to go into another room. Right and we should tell listeners at this point not only did your sister have breast cancer but also your mum did didn't she? Yeah. And they both got through it? They both got through it Yeah, yeah my sister's 18 years now. Wow. Cancer-free. Okay. So the period between getting the diagnosis and being told you're going to have to have surgery, they're going to cut it out, as your <laughs> consultant said, which means a mastectomy, is is how many weeks, months? Uh, God, I don't know how many weeks... Because we had to work out, had to work out what I wanted to do. Then we had to work out the diary of the cancer surgeon, and then, um, 
And then I decided, you know, I wanted reconstruction mm. or not. And I decided I wanted to have reconstruction. Um, yeah. I mean, actually, in COVID, lots of women weren't able to have reconstruction at the same time as their mastectomy. Yeah. So in that sense, that was a result for you. Yeah. So you are a black woman. You are an MP. You have a very high public profile. Was, was there any part of your mind feeling stressed about that? Oh, and yeah. Really? Yeah. Why? Because, um, you know, you have to make a decision whether you go public or not. Uh, you know, I couldn't go into Parliament because I could not afford to catch COVID because I wanted to have my operation and I didn't want it to be delayed. I basically became a hermit. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, it, and it's a long time, you know, and there's lots and lots and lots of appointments as well. Um, so, yeah, there was just a lot to consider. And you have to look after yourself and your mental health and, you know, and your body. Yeah. Talking of your mental health, you told me that you had what you thought was a panic attack actually before your diagnosis. Yeah, it was, it was, um, I think it was, it was that, it was the overwhelming sort of all the different thoughts, like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have, I've got breast cancer, I'm gonna have an operation, I'm gonna have to uh, tell Parliament, I'm gonna tell my constituents. It was just a lot um, to think about, rather than just focusing just, okay, you've got breast cancer, let's yeah. sort of get rid. What happened when you had the panic attack? Um, it was just, I just had a bit of a panic attack, you know, uh, just highly stressed and just took some deep breaths, mm. opened the door, calmed myself down. Yeah, that was it. It didn't last long. Have you ever had one before? Um, when my dad died, the panic attack, yeah. Okay, so the thought of surgery, what what did it make you feel like? What were you thinking about? Did you reflect on losing a breast? Were you not bothered about that? Um, well, there's a um, comedian uh, and... Uh, She's really quite... I find her really quite funny. Janie Godley. That's it. So I was following her anyway and liking her post. Before I even found out mm. about my cancer. Her posts are really, actually really good and quite raw. You know, they're really sort of real and raw. And so she had a post where she said... She'd said goodbye to her womb because she had to have a hysterectomy. And so she'd said goodbye to her womb. And um, I thought that's quite, you know, a, a good way to deal with things. Mm. And even though I was having reconstruction, so the way I see it is they're taking out the bad fats and they're putting in some good fats into my breast. So I, I, that's the way I, I viewed it and, sorry, and came to terms with it that way. Mm. And I was just saying goodbye to the bad fats and... And that worked for you? And that worked for me. Mm. In terms of the build-up to the operation, were you 
I don't want to put words into your mouth, but were you apprehensive? Were you nervous? Were you worried or were you reasonably calm? Um, I think I was reasonably calm because I had faith in the surgeons. I mean, I'm a very much an aura person as well. Like, aura? Yeah. What like, do you mean? Like, if I get a good aura from yeah. somebody, then that's all good. Mm. Like, thank God, because if I didn't like the surgeons, I would have said something mm -hmm. and I would, have, I would have probably requested a different surgeon. <laughs> so I was, like, grateful that I had a good aura from this surgeon and I was, I was happy to put my whole self in their hands because that's literally you know they're in your body mm. um and that, so i i basically just handed myself over to them and it's like okay do what you need to do and yeah wake me up when it's all over i, I mean sometimes i think we forget that 20 years ago if you were diagnosed with cancer it was a death sentence often yeah and now you know we survive cancer there's so there's so many ways that we survive cancer now and so yeah i felt confident that mm. it was going to be okay and when you did come around from the anesthetic can you remember what your emotions were um well, the, the one of the surgeons was quite pissed off with me because he said he was waiting for an hour to talk to me about the operation but I kept waking up and falling back to sleep again and he came in and was like he goes have you never had a surgery before I said well no not really yeah. you know I'm not really sort of a sickly person but he was waiting to talk me through the surgery but actually I just wanted to sleep and I really just wanted to sleep mm -hmm. but I remember having a conversation uh with somebody one of the nurses who were looking after me and um, making sure I was well and, you know, um, everything that they do, taking your observations and bed washes and everything, you know. So, and I remember, and I wouldn't be able to recognise her if I saw her because I didn't see her that clearly, but we were having these deep and meaningful conversations you know, while I was in and out of my Well, that's the sleep. anesthetic for you. <laughs> yeah, this is it. And, uh, and it was, yeah, I think she was Irish, actually. I remember that she was mm. Irish. And it was great. I felt very emotionally attached to her. And I remember when they did the swap over, I think after, I think she was with me for about two or three days. Um, and I think we were, like, holding hands. You, you know what I mean? And it mm. was just, it's interesting that you form such bonds with people you know who are a part of saving your life really mm -hmm. did you have to have drains or not yeah did you yeah so i had a yeah i had a drain yeah how did you a find drain. that um i suppose you should explain what a drain is for yeah. those who don't know it's basically a tube from the from where you've had the mastectomy and it draws liquid and blood excess liquid and blood into a plastic container that catches it it literally is a drain it's a drain yeah i mean they gave me a bag for my drain mm. when uh when um when i started walking a little bit um 
you know, I had a little bag to carry in my train with me. Um, I mean, I must admit, I didn't think... I mean, it, I mean, you're in a lot of pain, aren't you? I mean, there's a lot of pain after surgery. And there's a lot to get your body back working and functioning. Um, constipation was really bad. Were was you it? constipated? Was that, uh, that's the anaesthetic. But they can give you something for that. Yeah, it wasn't working. I never thought I'd be so obsessed with wanting to go to the loo. Yeah, mm. it was just. What did you crazy. use? What did what worked in the end? Um, I had prunes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Do they actually work then? Yeah, prunes. I think worked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was. I mean, they, they had. I had medicine. I had tablets. I had, oh, God, taking tablets, oh, honestly, too many tablets. Mm. But, um, yeah, it, it was a lot. But, yeah, I became completely obsessed with needing to go to the loo. OK. Yeah. Thanks for showing up. <laughs> <laughs> the realities of Yeah, well, of it. no, it's good to be honest, <laughs> totally good. So these, these the, the surgeon and the anaesthetist and the senior registrar and the auxiliary nurse and the breast cancer nurse and all the people that were on shift when you were having your surgery and continue to look after you post-surgery, how do you feel about those people? I think they're, like, phenomenal. And um, and I just think that when we talk about the NHS, we forget about these superheroes, the ones that are saving lives every single day. You know, not just patching people up. You know, we think, you know, we think about them patching people up, but actually they're saving lives every day. And when I think about everything else that they also worry about in terms of their jobs, in terms of being respected, in terms of uh, being considered, you know, often the rug is literally being taken away from them in their workplace and they're still having to do their job. And if they do their job wrongly, somebody can die. And we don't place that importance on the work that they do. And we really, really should. And I think that, um, like, I owe them a platform for their story. You know, I owe them a platform to make their workplace safe. I owe them a platform to ensure that they're given the investment uh, that that they deserve because they're doing a bloody good job. And, yeah, and so that's, that's going to be part of what I do. So when you reflect on what do you want to do with the rest of your life, what do you think about? Um, I... Like, I generally just take sort of each day at a time, even when we have a win, which I, which is a, which is a fault of mine that I'm trying to do better on. You know, I don't often sit in that win and, you know, sort of celebrate appreciate that, it. appreciate yeah. and celebrate that win. And I was like, okay, great. That was good. Right. What's the next thing we're going to do? You know, and I know that kind of also drives my team mad because, you know, they're part of, they're, they're part of 
every win that I do and really we should sit in that a bit more and appreciate it a bit more so I need to do more of that the only thing I, I'm convinced at is that I need to make a big difference and I need to be a part of making decisions that are going to make a big difference we need to also save people's lives there's a million women um and just women this isn't like there'll be others as well there'll be men there'll be trans there'll be you know but this this was done with just women there's a million women who are missing their mammogram who haven't attended because of covid or they've put the letter to one side because they're dealing with other things and it's estimated that there's around 9,000 women walking around with cancer at the moment, undiagnosed. And if it's not caught early, it will get worse. And survival rate depends on you catching cancer early. So I need to be a part of uh, making a dent in those a billion women. I mean, those figures are really shocking. They're according to breast cancer now. Has this cancer diagnosis changed you? Um, it slowed me down for now. Mm. <laughs> um, I mean, doing everything slowly is weird for me because I work at a really sort of fast pace. So, um, but it has slowed me down. Is that a good thing? Um, I think it has to be. Like, I have to embrace it and I have to get well and recuperate and build my strength up. I am not going to try and do things before my body's ready. Mm. Um, uh, I'm not sure in, in, in any other way how it's changed me. Um, but I have changed. I know that. How? Because to be diagnosed with cancer, you can't help but have changes, whether it's, you know, whether it's just how you view things or think about things or how you see a cancer advert, you know, how you relate to people with cancer. Um, but I'm still going through it, so... Do you think you are still processing it all? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. There's, because there's all different bits that you have to go through. There's the before, it's like, okay, you know, I might have cancer. Mm. And then it's like, okay, I've got cancer. And then there's that during, I'm still in that during phase where I'm, you know, all the cancer's gone, thank God. They've taken it all out. But there's still a lot in terms of my recovery. Mm. So I'm not through that yet. Yeah, and there's and a lot of processing to happen. Have the, has the surgeon said, it is all out, that's it? Yeah. Do you need chemo? Do you need radiotherapy? Uh, thank goodness I don't need chemo nor radiotherapy either. Wow. I've got my... That is a result. Yeah. Totally. Early diagnosis, Victoria. Mm, like, I know. Early I know. diagnosis. Yeah. We get to cancer early. It, you have more, you know, life mm. chances and better quality of life. Mm. Early diagnosis... Yeah, it's key. It's absolutely key, which is why everyone has to go for their mammogram as soon as they get that letter. Yeah. And and women who are too young for mammograms, try and remember to check once a month, you know. And if you see any changes, speak to your GP. Yeah, straight away. 
Um, you talked about maybe you should, you know, celebrate the win a bit more or re acknowledge that moment. Have you celebrated this win? Not yet. Come on, you're alive. I know. Get the rosé out. I know. <laughs> and I'm waiting till I'm till I'm able to drink. <laughs> Are you still on the antibiotics? No, I've finished. Now. Okay, okay. But um, but yeah, no. I mean, I I have said that by the end of the year, I will be partying very hard. Good. Um. Uh. Because yeah, it's it's great to sort of be alive and to think, gosh, I had cancer and they've taken, you know. They've cut it all out. Mm. It's, um, yeah, it's it's phenomenal. But, I mean, there's, you know, it's like when people say, oh, you know, you know your body. Oh, I know my body. We've had all this COVID. Oh, I know my body. You've got people on TV saying, I know my body. Oh, you don't really know your body that well. You know, we know, we know we've got a headache. We know, you know, aches and pains. But you don't know if your cells are dividing and becoming cancerous. No. <laughs> you just don't. No. <laughs> you just You just don't. Mm. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, but, but yeah, there'll be a lot of sort of celebrating. But every morning I wake up, I'm grateful, um, and I'm seeing my surgeon. I haven't seen one of my surgeons uh, since the operation, and I'm seeing her uh, two days time. Do you love her? <laughs> yeah, she's great. I wonder if she would be like if I hugged her actually. But my, Are you allowed to hug now in NHS hospitals, or is it still social distancing? Still, still social distancing. Mm -hmm. Although, I mean, because they're very, very cautious. Yeah. But um, yeah, I hugged my other surgeon. Did you? Yeah. Oh. And uh, yeah, I think. I mean, you know, we're going to be friends. Mm -hmm. We're going to be good friends. We've got the same kind of personality. Um, and. Uh, yeah, it's funny. He's a funny guy and passionate about what he does. And so, yeah, I kind of want to give them all a platform. I think maybe we should get all of our sort of breast cancer surgeons and operatives. We could have a joint party, Victoria, in Parliament. That's, sounds great. Let's do it. I am let's, totally up for let's that. Do it. Let's, <laughs> have a, let's have a joint party and we'll take them for, like... A really good tour around Parliament and, yeah, have some food and drink and just, you know, celebrate them, really. Thank them. Again and yeah. again and again and again. Because they do this every day. They save a life every day. Mm. And we can't thank them enough. No. Seriously. Yeah. Dawn, thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Thank you. And continue to get well. And, yeah, thank you for talking to me on then and then came breast cancer. Thank you so much and thank you for all that you do to um, raise awareness because uh, I also watched your videos and I followed your progress and I think it was brave of you to go public as well. And so uh, thank you for all that you do raising awareness. Not a problem at all. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening. And then came Breast Cancer. It is a Six Foot Six and Factory Originals production. Future Dreams Breast Cancer Charity hopes you found this podcast helpful. We fund awareness, support and research. 
If you would like to help us do more, please text WeCare to 7500 to make a £5 donation or visit our website at futuredreams.org.uk forward slash donate. Future Dreams Breast Cancer Charity will receive 100% of your donation. Text costs your donation plus one standard rate text message, UK only. Always get the bill payers permission. We would like to contact you on your mobile phone with news and updates. If you would rather opt out, then please add no info to the end of your message. For example, we care no info. Thank you again for listening.